All right. Next, we're going to take a little time here. We thought it would be nice to gather some of the leadership of the church and talk a little bit about your favorite moments here at Brookside over the past 30 years. So we're going to start from hearing from our director of children's ministries, Michelle Acey. Good morning, Brookside. I'm Michelle Acey, and unfortunately, I cannot be with you in person this morning. My husband Tom and I are over in central Iowa with our son, who is, um, along with his wife, having their daughter dedicated at their church this morning. But I've been asked to share by looking back and reflecting on something fun that I remember over the past years. The cool thing for me is that a month after Tad was born, Pastor Steve came and asked if I would consider stepping into the role of Sunday school superintendent. And so did that for a period of time and then worked into the role as Awana commander. And during that time, Brookside actually shifted from being at Woodhaven over to Millard North. And the challenge for us was there was no facility at Millard North for us to run the Awana program. So we actually had the ability to use another church here in town and had to shift programming to Thursday night. So the volunteers packed everything up along with all the kids and we transitioned over there for a period of time. It was fun, um, especially because the program did not diminish but continued to grow. And even to this day now, we're at almost 300 children on Wednesday night involved with that program. So as I look back over the last 27 years, it's been a privilege to work alongside a lot of you as volunteers in Awana or Sunday morning, walk through Bethlehem, wherever it has been within the church body. Um, especially as I'm on staff now and have been for the last 13 years. It's just fun to be able to call Brookside home and to know so many of you and to be a part of this congregation. So thanks very much. That's great. It's great to hear that from Michelle, just to kind of see all the changes that have happened just as she's been here at Brookside. So I, you know, Brookside's had a wonderful 30 years. And you know, that's kind of sometimes hard to grasp. You know, how, you know, 30 years, what's really changed? So, um, you know, I know a lot of the changes are gradual. So we're just going to take a few minutes here and look back at the changes o- over the past 30 years. Brookside Church. This is what most of us think of when we think of Brookside. These doors have seen a lot of people walk through them. But believe it or not, these doors are pretty new, all things considered. To know Brookside's history, we have to go back, pretty far back, 30 years actually. In February of 1981, Brookside began meeting as a small group on Sundays. A month later, Steve Multemeyer became a pastoral candidate, and in July he was installed as pastor. The church met later in Cather Elementary, where each Sunday the gym was set up for worship. But in the life of a new church, these days were fun. That new church did all the things a church does. Children's ministry, Christmas programs, and Sunday services, of course. But that church grew and outgrew the school. In 1982, they began to meet in a nearby shopping center called Woodhaven. In 1984, Brookside saw 40% growth in one year and added two more shopping bays to their lease. God's word was preached members committed themselves to serving the church, people started families, and our church got bigger. The next three years of church life proved that Brookside was standing the test of time, and more importantly, that God was blessing the ministry being done. During that time, the church purchased land 
and began to build a permanent home. The land on M Circle, where you sit today, was soon the location of a new building. While final details were being taken care of by professionals and lay members alike, Brookside met shortly at Millard North High School. In April of 1989, the church moved from Millard North into its brand new building. And guess what? God's word was preached, members committed themselves to serving the church, people's families grew, and our church still got bigger. So much bigger, in fact, that Brookside built a youth room in 1995, another addition in the year 2000, which constructed the church as we know it today, and bought and paved land for a parking lot in 2004. Through all this, 30 years since its beginning, Brookside stayed loyal to the things it valued back in 1981, scripture, families, and relationships. A desire to serve the body of Christ and a desire to show Christ's love to others who don't know him. These days, when one comes to Brookside, they'll see a picture of the last 30 years. God's word will be preached, members will be committed to serving the church, families of all sizes will gather together, all in the hope that in his grace, God's church, not just ours called Brookside, will keep getting bigger. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's neat to see all the, the changes. I know, Steve, you haven't really changed all that much, I know, from those early yeah. pictures. Yeah, Afro days. Yeah. Uh, nice coat, though. Yeah. Wasn't that a nice sports coat? It's yeah. the, I noticed yeah, a lot less plaid on the pants over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's really a good changed. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I know, John, you're up here. Quite often we see you up here on the stage, but I don't know if people realize that You've been on staff for 17 years, is that yeah, right? Actually, I'm in my 18th school year, and I'm oh, way wow. too young. I started here when I was 12, so yeah. Okay. Well, can you just, why don't you take a few minutes and just kind of share, like, one, one or what, of your favorite moments? Yeah. Well, actually, it's really hard. Um, I mean, after you've been here 18 years, it's just so many memories, great memories, the people, the kids in the youth ministry, um, and seeing that video just brings back a lot of memories for me as well. When I started in 1994... Um, there was an open position, so in, in the office, when I came to office the first day, it was Steve and me and one church secretary, and that was it. Yeah. And a lot has changed <laughs> since then. But um, I remember in my first year, of course, I was new to Brookside in 1994, and the church just kind of opened their arms to me and embraced me. Um, and it was my first full-time role. I'd been doing internships and so forth at other churches, but uh, the church embraced me as a youth pastor. And I remember looking back on the first year and thinking two things about the people at Brookside. One was some of the friendliest people in any church anywhere. And then secondly, that the people really had a vision to make a difference in Omaha. And not only that, but they're willing to really roll up their sleeves and serve to see that vision become reality. And that was really tangible to me as a youth pastor because when I came, we didn't have a space for the youth to meet. And we were doing ministry in trailers, and they weren't kind of the nice trailers you have now, the double-wide ones. They were uh, little tiny trailers, 14-foot wide. They were sitting out on the north side of the And very the ugly. Very ugly. Very ugly. <laughs> Not the nice ones. And divided into three little spaces inside and flimsy little doors. And The joke is, when we, uh, John was looking at coming on staff, 
one of the things that he, of course, is checking us out very carefully to see, well, what kind of facility we have for kids. And we strategically didn't let him inside of those trailers. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing that John did, because John likes to check things out fairly thoroughly before he makes a decision. If anybody knows John, you know, that's true. And uh, which is good, it's a, it's, it's a strength. But we heard that John went back Sunday evening on his own and pulled himself up by the windows to look inside of those portables to see what they really look like that's inside. True. And so, I did yeah. that with my dad. <laughs> Your dad did that with you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, good old but dad. But I came anyway, know? so that's a good thing. <laughs> but, Son, um, I don't think you should go there. Yeah. Well, uh, but the cool thing is, being here a year, the people felt like, man, it'd make a big difference to kids if they had a space to meet in. So the church gathered together, and we in, embarked on a, uh, building a youth facility. And at that time, it was great because just the guys in the church volunteered. And guys were framing and roofing, and it's just, it was so evident that the church came together to, because they saw vision and they wanted to see it come to reality. But by far the funnest thing, I think, for me, looking back through the years, is just story after story of, of having a front row seat to life change. And a great example, not the only example, but a great example of that is uh, Jack. Uh, Jack, you guys know, uh, already works with the youth ministry now. But um, the story really begins with Jack with Michael Bailey, who was in uh, the youth group at the time. And if you know Michael, he's a very black and white kind of a guy. So um, when he got serious about God and, and that happened in his life, he's, he said to himself, I've got to uh, allow the opportunity for my friends to see Jesus and point them to Jesus. So he started inviting all of his friends to a youth group, and Michael was actually in my small group, and that's kind of how our stories intersect with Jack. So Jack came from a completely unchurched background, and um, tell us a little bit about kind of the beginning of your involvement here at Brookside. Yeah, and so like you said, I, I grew up in a home where I just had never really gone to church and didn't know much about God, and I was saying earlier how Really, everything I knew about God was basically from the TV show The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, 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 we're going to explore that a little bit more. I want to learn what you learned. But we won't do that right yeah. now. We'll do that later. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I really didn't know anything about God. I didn't really believe in God. And so Michael invited me to just uh, an outreach event here, Mud Volleyball. And um, I came, and it was a fun time. I really enjoyed it. And then after that, he started inviting me just to come to the small groups on Wednesday nights. And yeah, and let me interrupt you there. Um, in that day and time, we had Wednesday night small. Uh, we did ministry off campus. So we met in houses, and a brother group, small group, and a sister group would meet in one house. And I had bought a house really close to church, just a few blocks away, so that we could do youth ministry out of my house. So when Michael was inviting Jack to his small group, he was inviting him to my house. And I still remember the first day that you came, along with three or four other of Michael's friends, and that first night you showed up. And why don't you tell us kind of what was going through your mind and what you took away from that first night? Yeah, and so and Michael had been inviting me <clears throat> continuously every week, and I usually just denied him because I really wasn't that interested. And uh, but finally, I came for whatever reason, and that first uh, time, I actually distinctly remember two things, and one was uh, just the way the, the people there talked about God, and I remember, even though I didn't believe in God, just the way that they talked about him sounded like there was something there. It really just caught my attention, and that they at least were sold out that God was real and um, that they had a relationship with him, so that stuck out, and then also just the atmosphere, the environment, um, it was just really welcoming, and 
everyone was very inviting and got to know me as a person and really I could just tell cared about me and I remember going back the second or third time and them just remembering my name and remembering things about me and I could just tell they really you know cared and yeah and so Jack didn't know this at the time but Michael and I were praying a lot for Jack and we'd Michael and I would meet and pray and talk about, you know, what did Jack say? Is he coming back again on another Wednesday night? And uh, we really cared a lot about you. And so fast forward, uh, you know, four or five months, he, after time, he became, Jack became regular and came almost every Wednesday night. And it was very evident that God was doing something in his heart and that he was becoming open to the things of God. And uh, we had talked to Jack several times about the gospel and were you ready to maybe invite Jesus into your heart? And Jack wasn't ready at that time. But uh, that was the end of the school year. And then we got to June. And then I'll let you tell the rest of the story there. Yeah, and, and really it was cool. <clears throat> All along, God was working in my heart, like John said. And I really had no intentions of, you know, giving my life over to God. And um, really, you know, didn't think that would happen. But God was working on me and just showing me how things in my life that I was living for were really uh, leaving me empty. And so <clears throat> that day in June, we went and we got lunch. We grabbed some Sam and Louis pizza, and me and John have a battle over Sam and Louis versus Zio's. Zio's is much better. I and, have to put that plug in. We had that argument back then as <laughs> yes. well. But so that day we got <coughs> Sam and Louis, and uh, we brought it back here, and we're meeting in the room that's now the hub. And uh, we just sat down and, and started having a conversation, and um, John was pretty intentional with the questions he was asking me and then took me through a tract and just kind of explained the gospel really thoroughly and um, asked me if I wanted to pray and, and go ahead and give my life to Christ. And so right there, I, I said, yeah, and I decided to pray and mm. put my faith in Christ. Mm. And um, it was cool. I remember, you know, having this kind of feeling of relief. And then I was sort of like, oh, what do I do now? And uh, John and Michael were both really good about encouraging me. They took me kind of around the office just to celebrate and tell other people, like, hey, Jack gave his life to Christ. And, um, and they were really good about just encouraging me to share with other people and with our uh, small group and um, just made it a big deal. And it, that was really the beginning of God starting to work in my life um, and just, you know, working in a lot of ways, bringing me to where I am today and um, even working with Tribe now. And I, I love that I get to share, you know, get to help kids understand who God is and understand the gospel now um, in tribes. So. Yeah, and it's so evident. I mean, so evident to me, Jack, and to anybody who's come in contact with you. God has changed the very DNA of your heart, and you love God. And going from a person who had really no exposure to God, had no frame of reference to who Jesus was, to somebody who's now fully invested in God and trying to impact uh, young people so that they can come into not only a faith in Christ, but be discipled to maturity. Um, and really, the story, like I started with, goes all the way back to Michael, because Michael got serious with God and cared so much about his friends that he felt like he has to introduce them to Jesus. And, um, you know, it's just a huge deal when a life change happens like Jack's. But um, what is really, really cool is it's magnify that by tenfold to think about the ripples of life change that go out, uh, you know, because Michael cared enough about Jack yeah, to invite him and expose him to Jesus. And now Jack, years ago, gave his life to Christ and now is, is one of our pastors and is helping junior high students do the same. To think about the ripples of life change that can go out because people care. And really, the, the ripples go out into the next generation to continue that impact. So 
Yeah, so that's a story that uh, is just an amazing memory that I have of time here at Brookside. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks. Mm. Well, I know I've even seen the ripple from, from uh, Jack firsthand, like at track camp, you know, just to see the effect he's had on, on other young men. So it's, it is. It's great. It's great to see. So, All right. Next, we're going to have a special message from a few people. I think you might know a few of yep. them. So yep. uh, we'll go ahead and play that. Go ahead. Uh, happy birthday to you, Brookside. We are so delighted for the work that you have done on us by helping our children at HCC. We pray that you continue. Indeed, you are a mission-minded church. Praise the Lord. From Keta, uh, Zambia, happy birthday, Brookside. Happy birthday, Brookside, from the Beckers in the Philippines. Happy birthday, Brookside, from Athens, Greece. It's Kronia Pola. Happy birthday, Brookside, from Athens, Greece. Tavalotet Mubarak. We just wanted to wish Brookside a big 30th happy birthday here from India's Himalayas. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right. I know some of those missionaries were kids here, right, right. at Brookside? All of them, yeah. All of them? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I, I know it's, it's when I was kind of thinking through that and, and going through, you know, these kids that have gone on, it's, it kind of, I think about these kids that are running through the halls today and, you know, the kind of the, the future of that and, and the future of the kids mm. of Brookside today and what what effect and what in the different corners of the world that they'll be able to touch too. So, yeah. Steve, why don't you, uh, okay. I'll give you an opportunity now to talk sure. about some of your favorite moments here at, okay. at Brookside. All right. Great. And I'll kind of try to sum it up for us. Um, you know, I think we, we'd all agree that the world we're living in right now is becoming less and less predictable all the time. I think a few years ago and as I, you know, began ministry, it was, you talked about making, you know, 10-year plans or even 20-year plans, and then it got down to five years, and, and I think everywhere in the world, both within a church setting, a business setting, that even though you do make plans, you, of course, you've got to do that, you realize that those plans get shorter all the time because of the unpredictability of, of the world in which, in which we're living. So one of the things that that says to myself and really to each one of us who are leaders is that it becomes only that much more important that we stay at the very center, the very core of what we're all about as a church and then let what happens in our world happen, uh, but we stay focused on our, on our purpose. There's a statement in, in scripture that has meant a lot to me for many years and it, uh, again, came back into my heart and my mind when we did this series in Ephesians, a masterpiece series. And it's a statement that the Apostle Paul uh, made in the third chapter of that letter to the Christians in Ephesus. And it was where he was describing in, in really uh, two verses God's purpose for the church, his ultimate purpose for all of our lives. And it's this statement. I just think it's absolutely wonderful. It's He writes, God's intent was that now through the church, through the church, through all of us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
really what we're all about is that we might be able to reflect, as Paul writes here, the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God in taking each one of us who, in a, in a certain sense, we, you know, we're God's enemies. And just like Jack, all of us at some point in our life had no relationship with God whatsoever and might even have thought to ourselves there was no God or, or had a very distorted view of God, whatever that might be coming from the Simpsons, I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe it wasn't distorted, but, but, but you know, we, God is absolutely perfect and infinite in his wisdom and his power, and, and what he can do in, in us is, is absolutely incredible. When, and so when I look back on these 30 years as a church, and I think of what my favorite memories are, they, I mean, there's a lot of great memories of what has happened in, in really big ways through our church, and I look into the future, and I anticipate what God's going to do through Brookside, and I, I get excited about the future as I'm thankful for the past. But it all comes down to what God does in human lives. And so as I look back, and as I look forward, I, I think of a, of a father who came to Brookside here on an Easter Sunday morning after his family had been praying for him for years, said he would come, and it was the first time he ever came, and I, I can almost, in fact, I can. It was in the old worship center where, way at that north end, and he was sitting about right there in that, and he was sitting with his, his two sons and his wife, first time in church, and he heard the message of God's love and God's grace and sending his son to be our savior, and the message of the power of the resurrection, what it can mean in all of our lives, and, and at the end of the sermon, gave an opportunity for people to pray and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I asked them if they would raise their hand if they prayed that prayer. And, and he raised his hand. And, and now all these years, for these many, many years, he's been a model of servanthood in our church. Or I think of a father who brought his, his son into my office one day. His son somewhere in his 20s, lower 30s, and was having trouble getting his life together. And my father and son came into my office, and, and we talked, and I shared God's word. At the heart of it, shared the gospel. And to see this young man turn his life over to Jesus Christ, and now knowing him these many years later, and he's part of Brookside with his family, and and knowing him very well, and knowing his wife very well, they're a model of what it means to be parents to their children. Or I think of another father who came with his wife one Sunday because he was invited, as what we're talking about here is inviting, inviting, so important. I'll never forget the Sunday they came and and. For some reason, the Spirit of God just uh, prompted me to go talk to him at the end of the service. And, and we sat right there, actually, together as we talked. And, and I found out that their son was missing. They, somewhere in the country, they had no idea. Their son was deep into drugs. And we prayed together. And one week later, their son came home. And several months later, that father in his home and the family room of his home trusted in Jesus Christ as his savior. And he's, he and his wife are a part of our church and I can tell you where they sit every Sunday and, 
And what he's doing for us as a staff is he's our resource for helping, and he has helped many people who struggle with drugs or alcohol. And I'm so grateful for God's grace in the life of somebody to transform his life that way. I could just, you know, I could, I could just tell you one story after another like that of what God has done over 30 years in the lives of people. It's just so many good memories, but those memories really, their purpose is to help us look into the future with that same focus. That this is what we're all about. This is what we're all about. It just comes down to changing human lives by God's grace and all for God's glory. That's what it's all about. So what I'd like to do just to close our time before we sing a really fun happy birthday song and some of you might know the tune to. Um, but let's, let's just pray, okay? And Because um, really everybody, our, our future is totally in God's hands. Whatever God wants us to do as a church and in a very unpredictable world, it, it comes down to each one of us trusting in God and, and depending on him. So would you just with all your heart, just bow with me in prayer. This is important prayer here. And let's look to the future, okay? God, I'm, I'm with everybody in this room. We're just so grateful to you for your, your tender love for each one of us. God, I thank you that, that your spirit reached into my heart as a nine-year-old kid in, in the basement of our church, the one I grew up in. I I trusted in your son as my savior. And I thank you, Father, that, that my story and Jack's story and the story of each one of us is a story that can be true for so many more people as we look ahead into the future as a church. So, God, we all come before you this morning and we recognize, God, that we're just totally dependent upon you. Totally dependent on you. God, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your wisdom to know your will for us as a church. To Father, to, that you would guide us. And we ask, Father, for your strength that we'd be faithful to you. And God, that we'll love you and that we'll love people. And that we'll do it the way that we're called to do as your, as your children. And God, help us not to think so much of ourselves. But as help us to to think and care about a spiritually lost world that's all around us. And to keep remembering, God, that that's what we're all about. It's, it's not the things that we prefer. But God is doing ministry in a way that is so relevant and in a way that connects so well with the world in which we live in a ministry that is so grounded on the truth of your word. In your grace through Jesus Christ. And we pray this for your glory. And in Christ's name, amen.